Hello and welcome to the Iris Murdoch podcast. Last month, the Iris Murdoch Society of Japan celebrated its 23rd conference in Tokyo, having been founded in the late 1990s to promote Murdoch's literature and philosophy. And I was very lucky um, to be invited to speak there. So today I thought a podcast on Murdoch in Japan was overdue. So we'll be discussing her visits there, her engagement with its culture in her work and her enduring legacy. And I've got two experts uh, joining me to discuss this topic. Firstly, joining me is Chiho Amichi. Hello, Chiho. Hello, Chiho. Thank you so much for coming on. Chiho is professor at Aoyama Gakuin University in Tokyo, Japan, and vice president of the Iris Murdoch Society of Japan. She earned a BA in English Literature from Tokyo's Keio University, MAs from Keio University and London University, and a PhD from Keio University. Her research considers British 20th century women novelists, particularly Iris Murdoch and Dorothy Richardson, and she's published widely in this area. And also joining me is an old friend of the podcast, Paul Huller. Hello, Paul. Hello there. Paul is Associate Professor of British Literature at Meiji Gakuin University, and since 2015, he's been the president of the Iris Murdoch Society of Japan. With Murdoch's active participation, he co-edited and wrote a critical introduction to the authorised collection of Murdoch's poems, which came out in 97, and her occasional essays, which came out in 98. He's published widely in literary studies, including Romanticism and Wild Places, which came out with Edinburgh University Press in 1998, and we found her hidden remarkable poetry of Christina Rossetti, which came out in 2016. Alongside 20 university-level literary textbooks, including Rock UK, a socio-cultural history of British popular music from 2013, and seven collections of award-winning poetry, including Climbable, which came out in 2016. Iris Murdoch herself described Huller's poetry as fine, with an enchantment that touches me deeply, and John Bailey was also very keen on his work. He received the 2013 Asia-Pacific Brand Laureate Award for Paramount Contribution to the Cultivation of Literature, and he was a keynote speaker here at the 2022 um, Iris Murdoch Conference at Chichester. He's recently contributed a chapter on Murdoch and Zen, the recent volume Iris Murdoch's Literary Imagination, which came out this year, and he's currently working on the Japanese Iris, Murdoch's Affinities and Interactions with Japanese Thought, a critical monograph tracing the important impact of Japanese ideas on Murdoch's literary and philosophical writings. So thank you both so much for being on uh, to the podcast today. Um, perhaps we could start a little bit um, by discussing how you became interested in Iris's work. Um, Paul, I know that we've already uh, spoken on an earlier podcast about that, but could you just refresh our memories a little bit before we ask uh, Chiho to step in? Yes, it's my second time. I, it rem reminds me of that Barry Cryer gag about they say you play the Brighton Pavilion twice in your career, once on your way up and once on the way down. Yeah, It's nice to be back. Uh, yeah, um, I refer my learned friends to the podcast that we did, uh, uh, what well, seems a while ago now, must have been a couple of years. Yeah, um, yeah, I I came to Iris by, by accident in the same way that I came to Japan by accident, really. I, I got my PhD, I was teaching part-time at Edinburgh University. My focus at that point was uh, was Christina Rossetti, Victorian Poetry. And um, I was invited, couldn't get a full-time position teaching in Edinburgh. And I was, uh, through various connections, um, very, very fortunately, I was offered a position at Okayama University, which turned out to be the 
HQ hub of uh, Murdoch studies in Japan at that time. That was 1992. And it was there I met uh, Professor Yozo Moroya, no longer sadly, with, no longer with us, sadly, but uh, who was the founder of the Iris Murdoch Society and basically Japan's Iris Murdoch person at that time, the, the, the person who, the academic who introduced Murdoch to Japan, more or less. And um, it went from there. As I say, I mean, when I arrived here, I, I didn't really um, know much about Iris Murdoch's work. And uh, but I learned pretty quickly because Yozo Moroya uh, took me under his wing and schooled me and uh, became I fell in love with Iris's work very, very quickly. That's uh, that's all in the other podcast. Sure. Thank you. Jan. And um, anybody listening to that, if you can, if you um, go back through the uh, uh, the podcast um, collection, you'll find um, my discussion with Paul from. And of course, Yozo, Yozo Moroi was a personal friend of Iris and John. And through that connection, we ended up, as you very kindly said at the beginning, editing a collection of her poetry uh, and working actually with her. So I met her quite a few times. There was there was one howler in the previous podcast, if anybody cares to listen to it, um, that I did want to put right. I think towards the end of the podcast, I, I said to you that uh, it's really strange because if you recorded or if you put together all of the conversation that I had with Iris, you'd have about 15 minutes of tape but she made such a deep impression on me. I meant 15 hours. I meant 15 minutes talking about her work. And the rest of the time we would talk about, she would talk about anything apart from her own work. I would like to put that for the record. Thank I'd you like very much. Yes. Chiho, how about you? How did you come to um, bec um, become interested in Iris's work? Was it like Paul, was it through uh, Yozo or did you uh, pick up her work independently? Well, I didn't know Professor Moroya till Paul and he um, pub start publishing, so it was okay. not because of him, but I entered uh, English Digital Department in 1991, and I just noticed that it was really around the time Paul came to Japan. And it just, yeah, and at that time, um, the popularity of literature or English literature was starting to wane unfortunately, but mm -hmm. still very popular. And um, going into an English literature department was kind of um, onerous way of um, studying at that time. And um, I didn't have any particular author or novel that I was interested in at that time when I started. But I had a clear idea that I wanted to study 20th century um, English novels. And well, I thought reading and studying my own age would um, open my eyes to society and I could better understand the world. And I had a kind of unfounded belief that English literature was serious novels um, that reflect society. So if you want to deal with social issues, then um, English literature was the best. I don't know why I came to think about think that way, but I thought so that at that time. And then so I went to the library, school library, and started to read contemporary English novels from the end of the shelf to <laughs> the next end of the shelf. And the first novel I could go through without a break or at once was The Sea, The Sea. Mm -hmm. And that's why I thought, um, because... 
I could read it really with joy and without stop. This is this might be the author I like. So I started to read other novels of hers and ended up reading all her novels in a year. And and then I started to write a, a BA thesis and that was my start. And you just decided to just to carry that on. So was it was it um, discovering that there are other people in Japan who are interested in in Murdoch and and inter and also of course the the founding of the the uh, society was that useful to uh, for you to continue your studies in in on Murdoch? Um, when was it that the our society started, Paul? Well, uh, the the society officially started, I think, in ninety seven. It, it began from a a reading group which uh, Yozo had in his office once a week with uh, some graduate students, where he would just literally read Murdoch's novels chapter by chapter. And once I was there, he kind of drafted me in to be the uh, to advise on cultural things, uh, things that maybe they did references that illusions they they didn't get, and uh, that that kind of organically uh, bloomed into an official society in ninety seven. Mm. Okay, um, at that time I had already written MA thesis on Murdoch, and oh. Okayama and Tokyo is. Um, five, six hours apart. And yeah. it didn't, I didn't really cross with people in Okayama. So my interest was um, came from, I guess, my supervisor who read right, widely on contemporary English novels. And there is a seminar that we all had to belong and I belong to her seminar. And um, I, I think there were three or four students who worked on Murdoch before myself okay. so she was kind of popular novelist to start with and I I think I had a lot of influence from them they had written very um, special and great works for them so that's why and what was it what was it do you think that about Murdoch that's that, that appealed at, at that point because clearly there are you know a huge number of novelists um, that one could have chosen, both contemporary or indeed historical. Um, what was it at, at the beginning, Chiho, that sort of drew you into um, Murdoch's world, if you, Murdoch's fictional world? Um, I think it's the, because her story was simply very... She, she was a great storyteller, mm. and it was a lot of novels are not were not very um easy for us japanese to get into because no. but with her novels i think there were there was clear um we we needed the understanding of english society but even without that or even without her philosophy um knowledge and philosophy you could really go on reading and that made a good start i guess Sure, of course, and and th this was obviously um, literature in the original. I mean, at, at the point in, in the nineties, Paul, how many of the Murdoch's novels are actually translated into Japanese? Oh, Chiho knows this better than I do. You you had that list, didn't you? Um, in the nineties, yeah. about seven of them, or was it more than that? Um, about nineteen. 
Really? As many as that? Wow, there you go. That's of course, I, would, I wouldn't be reading them in Japanese. So no, I wouldn't sure. Know. But it's yeah. been, was it... Do, do you know if it was just one person who was translating them or was it um, was there a kind of big upswing of, of interest in Murdoch from the kind of the 70s onwards and the translations from of her work into into Japanese? Um, I think there were five or six or even more translated and um, people translated um, Murdoch's novels. Wow. She was very popular. And I, yeah, I thought of why um, she in particular was very much um, translated. And one thing, perhaps, is because um, she wrote an, a philosophical work on Sauto. And after the war, Sauto was a big, big, fashionable um, figure in Japan. Right. But, yeah, but um, because Japan was under um, occupation mm. just right after the war, um, we couldn't import French books till 1949. So the only way to know about Sauto was through um, America or England. And a lot of English written Sauto books came into Japan at that period. And so I think when Murdoch wrote her Sauto book, it, it could be, it was something Japanese people could would want to know and could understand. And that made a, I think, good start for us to be get interested in Murdoch. That's and after that, she was instantly thought as a serious novelist because of one thing, because of Sauto. And um, it was like um, reading her novels would be a clue to understand philosophy and understand foreign countries and everything. Mm. I think it was, yeah. This was one reason, I guess. Right. That that I, I I didn't know that at all. So clearly, Paul, when you were when you you came over to um, J Japan, there there's obviously a, quite a, a strong foundation then of, of of interest in in Murdoch at that particular time. Is that why Yozo set up the uh, the discussion group? Do you think? I think Yozo. Well, the discussion group was an extension of what what in Japan is called the Zemi, which is like um, a third and fourth year seminar, and right. uh, then he students who stayed stayed on to write a uh, an MA uh, thesis on Murdoch. So it was mostly and and also just uh, students who'd graduated but really wanted to keep in contact with him. Yeah, um, I think that. Um, yeah, I think by 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 ninety five. I mean, we, Iris came to Okayama in ninety three. She made three visits to Japan sixty nine, seventy five. I think was it, and um, and ninety three. Ninety three was her last visit. It was the British Council organised visit where she gave talks with John Bailey at um, Kyoto and I think in Kobe perhaps. But uh, one of the main reasons she uh, was wanting to come was to uh, to see Yozo. She'd become a very good friend with him. She stayed in Okayama. Uh, we, we were together, and I was given the job of looking after her, which is how I got to know her and John. And um, I think after that visit, Yozo and I were speaking, and we, we were very... 
kind of uh, almost embarrassed that there wasn't a, an Iris Murdoch society. Japan's quite big on literary societies. And basically every author or every major author has a society. And often they don't have many members, but it's, 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 quite, it's considered uh, the thing to do and it's prestigious. So I think Yozo uh, was quite uh, felt a bit awkward that there, were, there wasn't an Iris Murdoch society. So he took measures to establish the official society, which is, you know, it's quite a bureaucratic thing. You have to register, go through the, it's a, um, a non-profit organization, stuff like there's lots of paperwork, but that's, that's what, that's why that happened. So it took us, and at the same time, by then we were working with Iris on mm. the book of poems. So it kind of evolved gradually. It's, it's, it's difficult to say when there was an, a, a, you know, a, a starting point, but the first official conference that we had was '97. Yeah, and then by that time, as you, you to, to answer your question, yeah, there were Murdoch was clearly uh, a popular writer in Japan, and I. Even even still at that point, I wasn't. I didn't really see myself as a Madokian. I just saw myself really as helping uh, Yozo with this project. I was still teaching poetry uh, at the university and working on uh, Rossetti, and also a book on Romanticism, which I edited. So it was all after all that had kind of finished that I really started turning my gaze towards Murdoch. Um, yeah. And then and she must have been very pleased when she found out that, you know, there was going to be a society set up, although obviously that was towards the end, towards the end of her life. Yeah, um, yeah. Sadly, yes, it was. It was all, I mean, the, the book was completed in 97 and Yozo and I went to Oxford and had lunch, spent an afternoon with John and Iris. And that was, um, that was the, the first time we, we'd met her a few times, we'd been to Oxford and checked on the progress of this project. And um, but that was really the, the that was the last last time we saw her. And it was also it was the first time it was very, very clear that she wasn't well. Yeah. So whether or not I mean, you know, of course, we told her about the society, but whether or not it registered. Sure. Um, sure. Mm. So the the actual setting up of the society, um, how, how did that come about? Was it um, to, to sort of um, gather members together? Uh, Chiho, was um, did you how did you find out about it? Was that something that you joined quite early, or did you come a little bit later? Um, I I I think I joined a little later um, because I was studying in UK from nineteen ninety eight, yeah, and just for a year, but I was in Royal Holloway, um, University of London. And while I was studying there, one of my friends told me that um, Iris Murdoch's site in Japan was set up. So you should be interested. And should I register for you before you come back? And I said, okay, please. So I, I came back in 1999 and then um, went straight to Okayama to join the conference. So, but at that time, there were already, I think, 40 or 50 members. So I, was, I came later, the right. founding members. So quite quite a substantial number of members then. Um, yes. Early on in the in in the history of the society. Yeah. Yeah. 
and we we're trying to get it back to <laughs> we're doing our best to rekindle that uh interest. yeah sure so uh, was, it must have been quite a surprise though that there were so many people kind of interested or working independently and it would have been across japan as well wouldn't it because obviously there are numerous universities mm. across the islands yeah so how did the how did paul how did you get the word out that um, the society was going to be set up and how people could get get involved well, yeah, this was pre-internet. Well, it wasn't pre-internet, but it was before basically anybody that we knew was was really um, all fay with the, with the internet. So it was literary magazines. I think that's how Chiho uh, or Chiho's friend uh, found out about the um, the the Murdoch Society. Um, we we would advertise, and um, there, there are there are quite a few um, very very well respected and, and well-distributed literary magazines in Japan. I mean, yeah, Japan has this image of being this high-tech, neon um, metropolis, but in fact, you know, we still use fax machines here, and actually paper magazines are still really respected, and even in, th in those days, certainly. Yeah. Uh, that was the way to, the way to transmit... Uh, that kind of thing was to get an advert in in a, in a literary magazine. Interesting. And so at that point in time, and I don't know whether, whether this is still the case, was she studied widely and was it mainly the literature or were, pe were people also studying and, and writing on the philosophy? Shiho, what do you think? Um, I think a major part of Murdochians are studying literature. Yeah. But they are trying to incorporate philosophy in it. And sometimes mm. there are philosophers who get interested in Murdoch, but I guess through novels, because there were many people who read um, English novels. So, Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And the, does, she, the, yeah. does she still appear on undergraduate um, curricula or has she kind of faded from view a little as other, other authors have, have come into vogue? Is she still in vogue in Japan? We talk about this every year. the The post conference, uh, you know, hangover that we have every year is how will we get more Murdoch into our classrooms? And kind of smuggling. I mean, I'm smuggling her in Trojan horse style because I teach poetry, and the only way I can really it, it it works really well because uh, you know the, just today I was talking about ne uh, negative capability, the Keats side of the the romantic idea, this idea of being being calm with uh, accepting, embracing uncertainty, and how that fits in with some uh, um, uh, ja Japanese Zen Buddhism ideas, but also uh, a lot of a lot of irises. Uh, uh, the, this idea of humility as a virtue, where it's uh, it's uh, changing your opinion of, of somebody is uh, is an e expression of this uh, caring attention, which one can uh, use to be a moral compass. Mm. So I that's how I do it. As far as the novels, we talked about this. Uh, Chiho and I have been talking about this about you know how would you. Uh, um, it's difficult to get the my students to read anything that's longer than about five pages long at the moment. So I think I'd be in trouble with some of Murdoch's later novels. Something I, I think something like Under the Net or The Bell. Yeah. But you'd have to you'd have to really give them a Japanese translation 
first sure. so that they'd get the, you know, the the narrative, they'd know the story. Ideally, one would prefer, although there aren't any available, a, a novel of which a, a movie, a film had been made, and uh, that would be a way into it. And then I, I personally don't expect them to read every page of every chapter. I, I would focus on specific um, asp um, extracts. Yeah. The, the language, the way the language works to, to, um, to express these uh, philosophical themes or themes of ways to be, ways to be good, I, I guess. Chiho, would you feel the same about your students? It'd be quite difficult to introduce them to, to Murdoch's fiction. Yeah, first of all, um, I myself teach in business department, so I teach English culture, right. but it's difficult to get them read novels. But even if I um, sometimes teach in literature department, same as Paul, it's very difficult now to make them read long novels. And I think unless you know the whole story, you won't know the real charm of a Murdoch's novels. I don't want them to read only one or two pages and think about that particular text, but I want them to read them, read the whole if I can. So it's it's quite difficult. Yeah. It's it's difficult with a large class. We tend to begin uh the way that the Japanese university uh, system works with a, with an English degree is the first couple of years tend to be spent on sogo ego, which is just a general English brushing up, uh, leveling up their English level. Yeah. Uh, and then in the third and fourth year, it's usually a four year course, is where they would um, specialize in British literature, American literature, linguistics, whatever. Um, and that would be the time to start interesting them. Uh, those that chose to in uh, literature, in literary texts. We have uh, various lecture courses, introductions to literature. And it's at that time that you you tend to find, you know, the, the first and second year classes are probably 25 students, of which probably only two or three really are really interested in literature. But by the time you streamline them into the third year, you get your seminar, and there you've got a captive audience. You, you you know, you're preaching to the choir because these are people who have chosen literature as their as their option. Yeah. And uh, I do feel that we have a student at the moment, uh, a, a student writing a PhD on Elizabeth Gaskell. So there are students who are capable of reading novels of that degree of complexity and uh, and writing marvellous um, critical appraisals of, of, of these works. So I think that, you know, I think there is hope, um, but we just have to push a little bit harder to to get Iris back into vogue in, in terms of the universities, yeah. What about using some of her actual work on Japan? I mean, obviously we've got the, the play, haven't we, the, the, uh, the Three Arrows, but I, I wonder whether there is... You know what? What you actually, you know, what both of you think about her um, engagement with kind of Japanese culture is it a little bit um, uh, westernized? Is it? Is it not quite how Japan? It's not how Japanese people would see themselves or in in novels, is it? It's how a a a, a British person 
from outside yeah. from outside an outsider would see Japan I should think the thorn in my side at the moment or one of them is this fat fad in in uh, in western society in the uk about zen the uh, this idea of zen mindfulness and you know well well-being and all this which isn't really the kind of zen buddhism in which iris was was as i know from talking to her interested she was interested in rinzai zen buddhism and or soto zen buddhism uh, which is either using koans to express the inadequacy of language to convey some some of our um, our, uh, our thoughts and uh, soto buddhism is more like the the kind of unselfing kind of thing which uh, iris obviously was very keen on now you know i feel that you know obviously iris only visited japan three times and she said famously, didn't she, in that interview with was it Brian McGee, where she said, you know, I write about, I'm a philosopher, so I write about philosophy. Um, if I was a shipbuilder or something, I'd write about boats. If I was a sailor, I'd write about ships. And I mean, I think when she writes about Japan, yes, she she's very nervous and very reticent because I, I'm sure she's clever enough to realise that she can't really that she might might be in danger of putting a foot in her mouth if she tries to say something about Japan and it ends up being completely wrong. She's not that kind of writer. Sure. For me, for me, what happens with her work, and I've done that thing which I used to, I, I guess I've been unselfing myself because I that thing I used to scoff at people when they said, oh, I'm going to read all Iris's novels starting with Under the Net all the way through to Jackson's Dilemma, one by one. And I used to think you must be crazy. Well, I've started doing that for the and so I've just reread Under the Net for the first time in umpteen years, and I just you know for example that there are parts of that where there's a bit where she she talks uh, uh, talking about fireworks. There was something about fireworks which absolutely fascinated Hugo. Mm. I think what pleased him most about them was their impermanence. And there's a paragraph about impermanence. Now, the first time, and uh, talks about the, the exquisite moment. I remember, you know, the first time I read that, I was connecting that to aestheticism or this uh, Dante Rossetti's idea, the, 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 a moment's monument, stuff like that. I now read it, and I can see that even unconsciously, as early as the 50s, Iris is, it's got a resonance. She's ventriloquizing ideas which are very, very central to some Japanese Buddhism called Mujo, the, the idea of impermanence, and it fits really well. So, so I think Chiho and I disagree on this, but it's probably because our teaching styles are different. I would be able to spend a whole seminar on that, paragraph by talk by bringing in lots of romantic poetry as well which talks about impermanence so for me um it's basically finding a way to make the you know what was it? it's it's not what it's not what you teach it's the way that you teach it mm. but yeah i i do agree that um expecting them to plonking a novel in front of them and saying, you know, there you go, 
uh, plow your way through that by next Wednesday. No chance nowadays, no chance at all. The, the attention span isn't there. So for me, it's uh, the, 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 what my students would be interested in uh, is a more thematic approach where I would probably using the, the sovereignty of good as a, as a central text, I would just take various ideas, various ideas about life skills and using parts of the novels, uh, hopefully illuminate those ideas. That's what I would do, but um, Chiho might have a completely different idea. Yeah, I was going to say, Chiho, does that does that resonate with you as well? Um, no. Think, think about how you might, <laughs> might um, think about Japan or, and, 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 and Japanese culture and, and, and Murdoch's work. I feel that there are a certain degree of restoration among Japanese young um, people that Japan is kind of misunderstood yeah and the because oh murdoch uses sword and tale of genji and netsuke and all these things that they consider it japanese old history mm -hmm. and it's not something they want people to know and i asked once my students what would you like to introduce to western people about our country and then a lot of them said um, technology or anime or subculture, yeah. manga, and all these stuff that are we, that the government is trying to <laughs> export. And it's not really something um, we traditionally had or we traditionally um, very highly valued. And, mm -hmm. and this, um, I don't think that would draw a conclusion that Murdoch wouldn't interest them. But just, just seeing this Netsuke working in the story as something magical and something very exotic, having special power, mm. would they need some time to accept this kind of magic with sure. the imagination the West could have on East first? Because they, because they grew up in Japan that has losing, has kept on losing its power and magic. I guess they were, you know. So mm. it wouldn't be straight connection for them, her Japan and our Japan. But I think with that, I think I can help them understand and help them get interested. So, yeah, while talking with Paul the other day, I just thought maybe I could have this, um, how Murdoch and other Western writers conceived Japan and ins by, inspired by these Japanese um, classical things. So that would be an interesting topic to teach. That's, mm. yeah. We, that um, makes... and of course, I bring this, the, the bias that I bring is my background in poetry. So that's why... I'm when I'm reading a, a Murdoch novel, I'm on a safari hunt for bits that I can connect to poems, um, sure. and also because of the work we did on the poem. So I'm really, yeah, I'm I'm certainly, even though I ramble on for for hours gladly about it, I'm not the person to ask about the novels really, and um, 
yeah it would be it would frustrate me uh very much i think to have to yeah have students sitting in front of uh, one i mean i i teach as you know i teach rock music uh i teach a course on the socio-cultural history of british rock music and uh <laughs> yeah and a student the other day said um I said, uh, he said, I'm, I really, really love this course. It's fantastic. And I said, oh, you, you, you like, uh, you like David Bowie and Mark Bowen, do you? And he, he said, no, no, no. My grandfather's always talking about them. Ah. And I suddenly, uh, yes, I suddenly, that generational I, I shift. I crossed another bridge. It used to be, oh, my mother really likes Blur and stuff, and now it's my grandfather. So goodness knows what they would make of uh, Iris, as Chio says. But there are students, certainly at my university, who are really keen to uh, talk about these traditional uh, Japanese ideas, like um, dependence amae and... Uh, uh, all these various uh, ikigai, well, ikigai is a bit of a Western one, but you know, mono no aware, there's wabi sabi, all these, all these very important old Japanese ideas, which I think are everywhere in Iris's uh, worldview. Mm. Uh, even, even, even if, even if she did, even if she wouldn't have been able to put a name to them. It just aligns so well. It, 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 it's eerie how well. And there has been, there's been a lot of work done recently on uh, Iris and Zen. I know there are a lot of people writing uh, PhDs at the moment, not a lot, but quite a few. Uh, and there are uh, some abstracts and PhDs online. And, you know, um, some of them are good. But there is this again. It's it's you know, Iris was looking through a Western lens, and these people who are studying in the West and studying, they're looking at Iris's version of Zen through a Western lens. Sure. So it's almost like twice removed. Yeah. So I think the virtue that that the advantage I possibly have is that you know I'm here on the ground, and I I, I could maybe have a little bit more of a um yeah you've been in, you've been immersed in the culture for at least 30 years well half of my life exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah and in the same way as i said about iris probably wouldn't feel comfortable writing a, a japanese character in her novels for example you know I, i've not lived in the uk for 30 years now i teach a course at the moment on british culture and i often and as you know you very kindly joined one of my classes while I you did, were here yeah. in japan and, you know, they were, I could see this huge size of relief coming from them when you walked in because they thought, oh, at least we've not got this old fellow talking to us about <laughs> talking about a culture that he's not lived in for 30 years. So I, I, I do understand that. I should say as well, if I just may, thank you so much for your uh, keynote speech at, at our conference because it really was wonderful. And oh, it was so lovely for it was so lovely for us because it completed the triumvirate, the gang of three, the Anne Rowe, we had Francis White, and then we had your good self. So I guess you know we've had we've had the 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 Murdoch of tears, the the 
the, the three-person engine of, of Murdoch's studies. And it, just for us, it was so lovely to have you there. And you did a wonderful, wonderful paper on John and Iris, which people still talk about. And Well, thank you very much. It was, yeah. it was a real, it was, I was, you know, I was going to say this at the end of the podcast, but it was a real pleasure to come over and uh, to have the mm. opportunity to speak to the conference and to your students and to, to go elsewhere oh, and yeah. do a bit of travelling. Yeah, yes, of course. I'm fascinated as well, Chiho, to think about how Murdoch might be put in conversation with other authors, um, particularly around um, elements that might interest your um, interest students. So this, you know, an idea for both of you. I wonder who else we might put together with um, with Iris to kind of form a, um, a, a group of, of writers who are interested in Japan and, and Japanese culture more widely and how that might come to fruition, I suppose. It's hmm. an interesting question. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you've given have you given yeah. any thought about how that might work, or is it just something that you've you've, you've you're sort of um, turning over in your mind, as it were? You mean the author, some author who used yes, other authors that might work well alongside Murdoch. I mean, are your are your students or Paulie are they are they interested in more sort of contemporary authors and last? Uh, Ishiguro Ishi and Murakami are very, very popular right. for students who are writing their graduation thesis. Um, trying to think of people who've written novels about Japan, which have uh, Clive James, who I thought was absolutely wonderful. Uh, they one of the few, few missteps in his career. He wrote a novel about Japan. I remember called Broom Broom. I think it was called. That was that was not very good at all, unfortunately. Um, well, certainly Kazuo Ishiguro is would be one. Yeah, yeah, very, very popular. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, Remains of the Day is is a just a perennial favourite here. Really, really. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the the butler representing this old style culture as well. It's it's, it's a beautiful a beautiful work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And Chiho, are you working on something connected with Iris at the moment? Um, I I'm trying to write a chapter on the flight from the Enchanter. Right. How yeah. she how she treated post-war um refugees in um and in this oh that one. <laughs> um I'm interested in uh, welfare state. And I want to write something on um, the people who were out of this system and how Murdoch wrote these portrayed people who were in the system and out of the system at, and at the same time. And I think that story, that novel would enable me to think about uh, people who were protected and unprotected mm. and what they became. Yeah, yeah. questions of deracination. And um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a fascinating um, topic to be working on. Thank you. And Paul, you're working on a project on Zen at the moment, aren't you? Um... Well, yes. Yeah. Um, it keeps morphing into different versions of itself as these things uh, tend to do. I remember the first time I got hay fever in Japan, I went to the one of the wisest kind of Zen things that uh, anybody said to me in Japan. Uh, the, in my mid 40s, I suddenly started suffering from hay fever. I didn't realize what it was. And I just knew I had this horrible uh, watering eyes, itchy eyes and everything. I went to the doctor and he said in, in Japan, and he said, it's a hay fever. And I said, Oh, right. And I said, um, 
and that is there is there medicine for it and he said oh yeah, yeah lots and lots of different medicines and i said what's the best one and he said the best medicine is the one that works for you and i just remember this is a line which has had a deep impression on me and i always think you know, when I'm writing this stuff on Murdoch, it keeps changing. I'm trying to find the best way for me to do it. Um, I am trying. It started off, it was just going to be a look at this Japanese idea of amae, amaeru, which means uh, to a kind of childlike dependence and how this binds society together but can also cause binds human beings together, the mother-child, the parent-child relationship, but can also cause problems in later life. But I've since uh, it's expanded into, hopefully what I'm going to do is look at various different ideas, chapter by chapter, and that's why I'm rereading all the novels, is I'm going to bring in the novels and a lot of the unpublished, well, so far, un unpublished poetry. And... Uh, as I said before, see, try to show how uh, these Japanese Zen-based ideas, many of which won't be familiar to um, British readers, uh, how they really uh, colour Iris's philosophy and mm. also her, uh, her novels and her poetry as well. So it's a kind of hopefully a kind of wide ranging. It's also a personal thing because I think my my life in Japan has been uh, the, the more I think about it, you know, coming to a completely alien culture when I was twenty eight, not being able to speak a word of the language. This idea of having to pay attention to to reconstruct myself, if you like, in a in a second language. The way they use they use um, uh, in in prisons for uh, uh, offenders that the the serious offenders they 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 have them learning a second language in, in as a way of reconstructing yourself and therefore thinking about your yourself as you were. Mm. Uh, I think I had to do that. It was kind of unselfing or a reselfing that went on and subsequent experiences here. Uh, uh, really, really resonate with me when I read Iris now, and um, I think I've, you know, the, I've learned a lot of things. I'm, I'm not a religious person. I would say the closest thing I have to a Bible is probably the sovereignty of good. And um, for me, this idea of being good uh, is something which really, certainly in the last twenty years, has really changed my life. And I'm hoping that I can bring that to the book as well. Sure. So, yeah. And I was going to ask both of you, actually, whether that, whether the sovereignty of good and sort of, I, I suppose, sort of um, the, the Japanese, does the sovereignty of good work with the kind of the Japanese mindset today? Do you think that we talked a little bit about the novels and um, how, you know, it, it might be difficult for particularly with students to in, engage with them. But I wonder whether those ideas those central ideas of the sovereignty of good might might actually be a, a a more fruitful way of engaging 
not just students, but any anybody in, in Japan with that, because they it might have affinities with certain ideas around um, Shintoism or with Buddhism. I think um, interesting philosophy is now in increasing, heightening in Japan. Yeah. And every year I get students who study business, but also but want to write an essay, write an essay or dissertation on philosophy. And um, they are very much concerned with how they could um, be good or how they could make their lives happy and fulfilling. So I think um, Murdoch philosophy can go into their thoughts. And my, I never did that, but I'm talking with you. I, I'm thinking that maybe I can um, put some text from her philosophy into my classroom yeah sure I, I, I think that might be a, a more subtle and more interesting way of actually getting people to engage with her work as yes. well I think I think that the the difference I think that uh the the moral the moral aspect of Iris's thinking is what um becomes both interesting and, and a little bit problematic when we try to put it put it side by side with uh, with, with with Zen, sure. Um, because it's kind of uh, the the Zen, the dissolution of the self, the um, this idea that, um, that the negation of the self. Well, what Iris is doing with the morality necessitates a rather different. Uh, process and uh, for me that's becoming more and more interesting uh, in a way you know um, as, as I was saying this the, the more and more Zen becoming more and more in inverted commas Zen becoming more and more prevalent uh, in, in, in the West and you know watch TV the other day all the ads are on Zen it's used as a word just to mean um I don't know what it's what it what is used in in the UK Zen. So oh, that's very Zen of you to do that. It just means that's very. What does it mean? I um, suppose, in the kind of common in sort of common terms, it it might mean that that one is um, completely relaxed, de-stressed, and kind of and not thinking about oneself. I guess. Yes, yes, calm. Really. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of, as you say, yeah. calmfulness, mindfulness thing. Yeah. Yeah, and and this mind and this idea of meditation to to not focus on anything. Well, that's not what Iris is saying at all. I mean, Iris is saying we need to, um, you know, um, you uh, focus our attention onto good things. So the, the, it's a, it's a, it's a, there are there are more different. There, well, there are as many differences as there are similarities, and that's what I'm reading about and writing about at the moment and it really is um it really is complicated and not in the way that i thought it might be i mean i thought it might be you know when i first started reading uh the background of uh certainly um rinzai zen the, which is the school that bases itself on the the koans these kind of uh, logical little puzzles which seem a little bit the sound of one hand clapping and all that yeah. which challenge expectations of language. I thought that would be the problem, but that's not the problem at all. The problem is that the moral aspect, and um, that's where I'm 
trying to do some work right now and it's uh, and it's great that there are yeah Leslie Jameson's recent book you know even that's given me lots of new ideas and uh, every and the the podcast as well you know when I hear people talking about uh, the different ways in which Iris's ideas of unselfing and t attention can be um, explained uh, it open it, it unlocks a lot of ideas in me which have come from uh, my appreciation of Zen as well so that's what that's what I'm trying to do excellent and that, that will no and doubt come the, yeah and the poetry the um the, where I really find crystallized a lot of these ideas just to add is, is uh, the poetry that some of the unpublished poems wow you know the, of course everybody knows the, the the episode of the kestrel outside the window but there are dozens of um, examples like that in unpublished poems where she really is exploring this idea of uh, not just temporary uh, negation of self but but how can we how can we extend that but also you know if you negate the self then what's left uh, what you know it, we don't leave a void zen says we don't leave a void we transcend so therefore we get a broader view of reality mm. um and i think a lot of iris's unpublished poems uh, show that she perhaps was really going you know little by little moving towards that position so, well let's hope that they don't um, lang languish in the vaults for too long hopefully they'll be uh, published in the within the next year but um yeah. more news on that in uh, 2024 i hope yeah. um so as we come to the end of the podcast then um let's think a little bit about the future uh chiho what would you like the iris murdoch society of japan to be doing i know that both of you want to kind of de develop the, the membership but uh would you like to say a little bit of something would you like to say a little bit something about um, about the society and um and the kind of the the activities and uh, and um, materials that it puts together. Mm. One thing I'd like to do is to translate some interviews and other roundtable talks and others that Murdoch and John Bailey um, have done in Japan and was published only in Japanese journals. And they are, I think they are left un almost untouched. So if we could try, I think the interview was held in English originally, but in 1969, mm -hmm. um, there, there wouldn't have been uh, readers if mm -hmm. they put it just in English. So they translated it into Japanese and then put it in the Japanese journal. I think um, if we could translate back into English, um, yeah, yeah, many people could use it as a material because I feel that there is certain certain level of interest in Murdoch and Japan, and that would that might help. Um, yeah. So this is one thing I want to do. Wasn't, and also, wasn't little, a, yeah, sorry, wasn't there a famous or a, an infamous story about a lost? tape one of these interviews was taped and um, apparently it, I remember it? Yozo often talked about this that somebody had a tape recording of, of the I think the 69 interview oh really is it lost 
I think it was lost and there were various attempts made to locate it. If only, you know, it might be somewhere. I have one, one, one of this is this, and it has about 10 pages of round table talk. Wow. So, yeah, this is not translated back into English. So maybe we, we should could. We should do that. That sounds yeah. good. So what, Paul, what should people do if they want to join the society? Where should they go? Well, we have a website. If you just Google Iris Murdoch Society Japan, it has an English page. If you, you know, uh, and send an email. We have, a, there's an email address on there and we can make arrangements for overseas membership. We produce a newsletter, an annual newsletter, and we're hoping with uh, with our um, our master technician, our mistress technician, uh, Ms. Chiho Omichi, who takes care of the uh, the hybrid, as I believe it's called in the modern lingo. Uh, so we try to simultaneously broadcast our conference online. Uh, and so membership entitles people to uh, the, you know, present papers at the conference uh, once a year. And we do, we have a newsletter. It's a very modest uh, venture, but we do our best and we have a like japan really we have an aging population so we are certainly looking for uh uh new members particularly uh we we're already talking about how trying to interest younger students even high school students into uh getting involved in something one way or another so yeah go online iris murdoch society of japan and there, there we will be. Excellent. Thank you very much. I will put the details for the um, the websites and for both of you as well in the uh, in the uh, description box for the podcast, and to make sure that people have um, swift access to that if they'd like to join and find out more. And no doubt there will be a, another conference in the autumn of twenty twenty four. Yes. When both of us aren't sure, we think it was our 25th anniversary as a society last year when you were there. Yeah. And but only our 23rd conference because we didn't have to during. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. yeah, we we skipped to we lost all the all the all those beautiful moments we'll never get back. And um, yeah, we'll put details of that conference will be up on the website. So please, uh, anybody who's tuning in, uh, and you know, we, we we invite papers. You don't, it doesn't have to be any kind of Japanese connection. And also, we're interested very much in papers or scholars who. Uh, whose main focus might not be Iris, but who might have something to say about uh, something related to Iris, whether it be literature or the philosophy, even the poetry. I think there are more and more people working on poetry now. So it's a, it's a lovely little society. Like all Madokian societies, you meet some lovely people and we're very friendly and we encourage anybody to come along and join. Super. Thank you very much indeed. Well, I shall make sure that those details are up there for people to um, have a look and um, to get involved if, should they desire to. So um, my thanks to 
Paul Haller and to Chiho Amichi for being with me today to discuss uh, Murdoch and Japan and the uh, the current work that's going on. And my thanks to you all for listening.